Um, we, we're going to talk about uh, Romans, Romans 8, talking about the justification of life. When, when we, uh, the, the, the foundation that we've used for the last, I would say, four weeks, three, four weeks, was from Ephesians 1, and I'm going to read that, and we're going to look at the righteousness of God. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before, in, before Him in love. And then verse 5, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, um, in the according to the good pleasure of His will. And then in Titus 1 verse 2 it says, In the hope of eternal life which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. So what we see here is that before the foundation of the world, God has decided that He wants to adopt man unto Himself. And here it explains that this adoption is... Um, uh, the, the, the hope of eternal life, which God, which cannot lie, promised before the world began. So before the world began, the Bible, the Bible says God has predestinated us to adopt us unto Himself. Okay? So when He adopts us unto Himself, what will He adopt us unto? He will adopt us unto His quality of life, which is of such a high quality that it can last forever. So that is what He adopts us unto. That is what He wants to bring mankind unto. But when man sinned, um, you know, man fell into death. And man couldn't have the life of the Spirit. We couldn't have the joy of the Spirit. We couldn't have the righteousness of God manifest in us. And therefore, we cannot have eternal life. Live forever. And that is what God has promised us. Now, church, uh, we have had a, a doctrine in our hearts for many years um, that, has, that has only revolved around heaven and hell. And we need, a, we need to go and check that doctrine. We need to go and look at what does God say about that. Because all we've had in mind is this, this, is, this is what we've had in mind is God made a heaven, He made an earth, He put man on earth, and for some reason man will be here for a while, and then He's going to take man to heaven, and that is it. And while we live on earth, the physical things in this earth is basically just seen as something that's going to be burnt one day, worthless, and the spirit is everything, and then he's going to take my spirit to heaven one day, and then there I will be with the Lord forever. Now, that kind of a doctrine can bring you some form of a peace, but it will render you powerless in the here and now. And I'm going to explain why that is. And, and what, we are, what I'm going to talk about is going to bring a change in, um, in, in why God, in, in the understanding that we had on why God made us and how we actually function and what we are as human beings. So there's some radical changes coming. But, um, and like any doctrine, you know, we've, when we in the Dutch Reformed Church, when I was there, we just believed that, you know, bat, the bat, baptism of babies was just the right thing. And we've done that for uh, hundreds of years, and we just thought that's the right thing. And we, then there had to be a time when you had to look and say, you know, what is this? is this? Is this right? Where is it in the Bible? And when we look at the New Testament, you know, we, we don't look at... Um, we all the time see Paul 
and John, especially John, talking about God bringing life to man. That is what it's about. It's about God bringing His life into human flesh and then manifesting His life inside that human flesh and then adopting a human being unto who and what God is. Now, I'm not saying there's not a heaven. I'm not saying we're not going to heaven. You know, if you die now, you go to heaven. You'll be with God there. But completion uh, and the end goal that God has was not um, just, you know, dying and going to heaven. It was God manifesting the fullness of His glory inside us, whereof we now already have access by the Holy Spirit into what I've mentioned here many times, the first fruit of the Spirit, which would be compassion, kindness, love, and those kind of things. And when our hearts, you know, is only heaven-orientated, what we do is we kind of use willpower in the now to bring forth just the right fruit so that I can qualify for heaven. Where a true gospel doesn't talk about you having enough good works to qualify for heaven. The true gospel is God setting you free from what brings death in your life of which one part of it is the fruit or the works of the flesh. Wherein God becomes the one that, the true gospel is the one where God becomes the one that justifies you by giving you love and peace and contentment and joy. Okay, that is what we're going to try and, and explain today. So um, when we see, and, and let me just recap Ephesians here. Um, Ephesians said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. A blessing means a word or a message, or when you bless somebody, you say something over him. A well-speaking. So what it says here is, God has blessed us with the highest, most eloquent speech in the heavens, which is what? This speech is in accordance as He has chosen us in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love. What is this holy without blame chosen before Him in love? He has predestinated us unto the adoption by Jesus Christ to Himself. What is this adoption that was before time? It says, this is the hope of eternal life which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. So when God made man, He said, this is how I make man. I plan from before time, this is my end goal with man, that I will create a physical human being that would be full of life, full of my quality of life. He will live on a planet and the glory, He will have dominion over this planet, meaning the glory that I will bring forth in Him, the life that I will give Him, the joy that I will give Him will even provide life for the whole planet. He will, we will have dominion over um, or the Adam. Adam would have dominion over the planet. That's why when Adam sinned, Thorns and thistles came forth because he had dominion. The life that was in him flowed over to the things of this world. Now God came and brought forth an Adam again. And this Adam, he brought life into this Adam, which is Jesus. And this Jesus, all dominion has been given unto him. And he will now make his enemies his footstool. And what is 
part of his enemy is that which destroys your life. So he will take what destroys your life and make it his footstool and conquer that which destroys you by his resurrection power and so justify you. So he is the one that brings forth the victory inside of you. That's why Paul says in Romans 6, shall we continue to sin now that we are under grace? He says, no, under grace, God forbids. But what we've had is we haven't had a thing where we say, God is saving my physical body as well. He's saving me from sin in the flesh. He is saving. What we have done is we've said, God in Jesus gave you a second chance, and now you can go to heaven if you suppress the fruit of the flesh in your body. And that is not the gospel. The gospel is that we have been taken captive by the enemy... And he brings forth inside our bodies something that destroys our lives. It's called sin in the flesh. It destroys our lives and will lead us to death. But then there came a Savior who will save his people from their sins. So the gospel is not the message of how Jesus gives you a second chance and then you suppress the fruit of the flesh through your holiness. You work yourself up into heaven and send a building material so that there can be a mansion built in heaven by you sending the good works to heaven. No, the gospel is God saves you from sin and death. For he has predecided that he once man, holy, blameless, above reproach before him in his love, which is to have man adopted unto him. It would be like um, if I am adopted unto... um, The best way I can explain it, I wish I could have had a better thing, but if you take yachting, you know, you take a yacht, go, or any, any sport, you know, if I'm adopted to that, it means I become like that. I start to love yachts. And every time when I'm put on the TV, I am, if, 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 I've, if I've been adopted unto golf, I will watch golf all day. Or cricket or whatever. In the very same way, God says, let me take this dust and adopt it unto me by my Holy Spirit. So we sit here with an absolute loving God that wants to share his life with others by his doing, by his power, by his decision. And he made us in his image and in his likeness and his resurrection power that will justify us and bring us in line with his original will, which is to have freedom from what destroys us unto even immortality, undying human flesh. Even if we die, he'll raise us from the dead. When we can believe that, we find that that spirit activates that power inside of us. So what we actually believe is we believe the promise God made. That's all. We believe God promised us that from before time that he will bring and give, adopt us unto him. Unto everything about him. And I want to tell you, the more I've studied this, the more life it brings to me. Because when I look at my relationship with my wife, with my children, with the church, with finances, with any, everything, there is such an expectation in my heart 
uh, as pertaining to the Spirit bringing forth the life of God in me and not me trying to be happy, trying to be content, trying to be joyful, trying to have faith. No, the, the Spirit of God, I believe God promised me love. God, not just that He would love me, but that His love would bring forth love in me. He, that's a promise. He will, and, and if I don't have that, God says it's not just. It's not just that I, the creator of heaven and earth, decided to bring forth a being that I will adopt unto me. This being gets deceived and lives in a place where he doesn't have my life. And now I see my man dying. I'll justify them. I'll justify them with my life. I'll justify them by bringing forth the, my fruit in their life. Glory to God. Amen. So the moment we, we, we and by this I'm not saying, uh, um, you know, that you, you better see all the fruit of the Spirit in your life today, and if you don't see all of the fruit of the Spirit in your life today, there's something wrong with you. What I'm saying is, God has promised and even as Abraham did not see the promise fulfilled, he didn't stumble by looking at the weakness of his flesh, but continued to believe the promise. So to me, if I look at and I'm saying, thank you, Father, that you give me your spirit, your spirit brings forth your life in me, when your spirit brings forth your life in me, I will see and, and I'll be adopted unto a person that doesn't fear, that's content, that's got peace, that's got life, that's got all those kind of things. I'll be adopted under that by your power, not my doing. While I don't see that, what must I do? Am I now going to walk in unbelief towards God and saying, well, it doesn't work, so let me now, this can't be. So let me try by my willpower or whatever. No, I remain in faith. I remain in the persuasion that God promised this to Bertie Brits. Whatever manifests in this life, I'm grateful for, and what manifests in his return, I'll, I'll be grateful for. But the whole thing is that God came to condemn sin in the flesh, which end is eternal death. So he came to give us life. That is what he has come to do. And when Jesus returns one day, we will see the full manifestation of that. Now, um, listen to this verse, Romans 5:17. But if by one man's offense, Death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came unto all men unto condemnation. Now listen to this. By the offense of one, which was Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. What is this condemnation? This condemnation was death. Because when Adam, Adam sinned, what did God say? If you eat of this, you will die. Your physical body will not live forever and you will not have the quality of life inside your physical body by my spirit that can give you life forever. That is, that is it. So he says, through one man's disobedience, we were all condemned unto that death. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift is upon all men unto the justification of life. So what is he saying there? He is saying that through the disobedience of one man, death 
and sin came to everybody. But through the obedience of one, and through the righteousness of one. So you see, the righteousness of God, how righteous God is, is what justifies you. Not how righteous you are. It's how righteous God is. It says here, through the righteousness of God, through the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto the justification of life. Now I want to explain that justification of life. When Adam sinned, what happened? He died. So what is the justification of life? When we are justified by the righteousness of Jesus, justify mean in the Greek to prove innocence. To prove your innocence. So God comes and He proves our innocence. How? By giving us His life. By His doing. So all we do from our part is we believe that God's Word is true, that God's Word gives us life, and then we see God making His Word true in our lives. And what do we see? We see the fruit of the Spirit manifest in our life. We see the life of God coming to our lives. That is what it says. So, the righteousness of God justifies you. The word justify um, in Afrikaans is rechtvaardig maken. Rechtvaardig maken. Now, in other words, you can be righteous, you can have a right unto something, but then when that right is proven, you see a proof is given. Like for instance, I can say to you, um, say you're in jail, and then there's a court case, and then they find you were not guilty, you're actually innocent. So, like this guy in America that was locked up for how many years for nothing? 27 years or 37 years, and then they, 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 he was innocent all the time. Now, he was innocent all the time. Actually, all the time, he had the right to leave that jail. But then his right was proven. When the court said, not guilty, they acknowledged his right, and then he was justified the day that he walked out of that jail. That's justified. To, to, to see the proof of that innocence. The proof would be you walk out of that jail. In the very same way, God, by His righteousness, justify us. It is not righteous, God would say, it would have been unrighteous for God to take His people, see His people as slaves under sin and Satan, and say, well, I'm just going to do nothing about it. It's not righteous if you see a father has children, and the child is playing at the fire, and the child has burnt his hand, and the father just says, well, I leave you, you know, with that wound, and get infection and die. That's not righteous. It's unrighteous. A righteous father will see the pain of his children, walk in his righteousness, and his righteousness will bring the restoration of his hand. In the very same way, the righteousness of God justifies us with life. And that life is contained in having the fruit of the Spirit ending one day in the return of Christ in what we would call a spiritual body or a human body that can actually... Uh, give expression to all of the glory of God. But we are seeing now the first part of that salvation taking place in us. So, church, what we can expect 
We can expect that when we watch the news or when a news thing comes or when somebody comes and says, like in America now, you know, God's going to judge all of America because, um, you know, they've, they've said gays can now get, get legally married in all the states. That's now going to, so now God's going to judge. When we hear all those kind of things, we can say, listen, I don't care what who does. God has promised me life. And He, Jesus Christ, will justify me. Amen. I'm going to explain to you just here how Jesus was justified. We think Jesus cannot be justified. Jesus was justified. It says in Romans 1 verse, verse 3, it says, Concerning the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So Jesus was a son of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of Holiness, or the Holy Spirit, by the resurrection from the dead. So, when Jesus was raised from the dead, and He conquered death, and He possessed the ability to never die, we could see that this Jesus is definitely born from God, for God alone possesses immortality, God alone possesses the power over sin, God alone can live forever, never sin, never die, that is who He is, and now we see a human being adopted unto that. We see a human being living in the place where He's got... Uh, um, where, where he is, is uh, seen as the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. Verse 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh and justified in the Spirit. God was justified, manifested in the flesh, that was Jesus, and Jesus was justified by the resurrection. That's the justification. So our... Now Paul comes and he says in Ephesians, this is my prayer, that you may understand the greatness of His resurrection power. Why? For that resurrection power is what raises up the fruit of the Spirit in your life. The worst thing you can ever do is behold the goodness of God and try and copy God. That is not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came and He condemned sin in the flesh. Means He ruled against sin in the flesh. Sin in the flesh said, I shall have the life of people. I shall condemn all people in sin and death. I will make all people live in fear and bitterness and see the death of humanity. That was sin in the flesh. But Jesus Christ came, incarnated Himself into the likeness of sinful flesh and and then he said to sinful flesh, let me show you my power. And he raised a man from the grave, with, which possessed the death of all people and the sin of all people, in that he conquered the sin of all, he conquered the death of all, and now the Holy Spirit justified Jesus unto eternal life, and now he is our high priest and gives unto us the Holy Spirit that will do what? That will buy, that is the Spirit that possesses what we call the resurrection power. When we believe that there is a human at the right hand of the Father, when we believe that God promised eternal life to man, that God promised freedom to man, and we we, then we receive the Spirit whereby we are now raised up into that fruit. Glory to God. That's what's called the fruit of the Spirit. 
It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And any effort that we do to bring forth that fruit by our own power is what you call making an Ishmael. Abraham came to a place where his wife, and, and let me just explain that, Abraham didn't walk in unbelief when he, um, when, when he had the, to had his Hagar, when he had Hagar. That wasn't in unbelief. That was part of the custom of that time. The custom of that time said, if your wife cannot give you children in 10 years, then she can give her slave girl to bear fruit for her. They just thought that this is how God, they thought that is the fulfillment of God's promise. And then God said, no. What you did was, you went and became one with the lady that works for you. In other words, you became one with works. And now by your works, you produced a seed. But that is not how I will produce a seed. Maybe, yes, Abraham, you see that you do have a son now. But that's not the way you're going to have it from me. I promise you this. And that's the only way you're going to have it. The only way Bertie Brits will have love and kindness and peace, uh, you know, in, in his family is by God promising me this and him bringing it forth in me by his Holy Spirit when I believe him. That's all. And he has shown his word. What was his word? His word is Jesus. He, this is his message. I can take sinful flesh in the likeness of sinful flesh. I can take all the death, all the sin on it, and I possess the power to make my word true. And this is my message. Look at what I'm telling you. This is my message to you. I can raise you up from the dead. And I can give you life and adopt you unto me. So here we see that Jesus was justified by the Holy Spirit and that justification was not measured in a, legal, in a, in a courtroom as, okay, you are just because you know, the law says you don't have sin or whatever. That justification is not merely put into a, a courtroom scenario. The justification there is the manifestation of the very life of God by God. And that brings great excitement to my heart. Because I look at the way, um, you know, I, I, I run the ministry, I look at the way I, f I feel about people and how my heart changes towards people. And just in the last year, year and a half, as we think more about these things, I, I find more of a peace in my heart. I find more of a calmness in my heart. I find more of a compassion towards people. I find more of love towards my family. Um, if something works out, you know, glory to God. If it doesn't work out, so what? You know, I find the inner peace coming to my heart. And I can see, and I remember, man, I was so passionate about God when I was young. Man, if, if that's the fruit of the Spirit, then I'll bear it. And I'll start to bear it. That's the fruit of the Spirit. But now, it's almost as if I've seen my, see myself more holy in this sense that when I see something manifest in me that's not supposed to be there, or that's not in line with justification, I say, this is not just. This is not right. <laughs> this is not who I am. It's not what I've been made for. I am holy unto the Lord. I've been set apart for the purpose of God. 
And all of a sudden, I find my heart opening up, my belief system opening up to a place where I can see God bring forth fruit in me. Now, what has happened in, in, in the church circles is we have been so bombarded with fruit and how we must bear fruit. Um, and then after that, we, we, um, we, you're either stuck in that or then you got to a place where you realized, well, I can never bear it. And then you got upset with a church that preaches it and you walk away angry, which I can understand, you know, of the old church. And then whenever you think of fruit, you think of, oh, no, pain. You know, I can't. It would be like telling a lady today, you know, that you can give birth uh, without any pain. It's like if she's had three or four kids with pain, and you come and tell her now, no, 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 don't worry, and she's come close to death, and say, no, you can have another one, but this one, there's going to be no pain. She's going to tell you, yeah, sure. Wake up and smell the coffee, you know. In the very same way with the fruit of the Spirit if we've had so much pain connected to fruit of the Spirit, if we had so much pain connected to, let's say, giving or generosity, if we had so much pain connected to loving our neighbor and having a sacrificial life and all those kind of things, the moment you talk about it again and we say that there is, and the Scripture says God promises you this, there can be a painless, effortless fruit that God promised you, you struggle to believe it. can't believe it. But as we look at the integrity of God and the love of God portrayed in Jesus, how He took our death for us, how He doesn't want us to die, how faithful He is towards us, what can our hearts start to say? Our heart can start to say, God, I can see by what You've done that I can trust You, that You've promised me this, and this is what You'll bring forth in me. And just have that expectation and see God justifying you. Not with a legal justification that's pie in the sky. A justification of life, man. Where we experience the first fruit of that life today. Galatians 2.16 Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Knowing that a man, I want to use my own words, shall not have eternal life by the works of the law but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. What that means is, by the works of the law shall none of our flesh receive freedom from sins. It is impossible. <laughs> by the works of the law, by you deciding... Today I'm going to be generous, and this is, I, I will begin my shockish optrack, you know, I must get the thing right now. It has got no power against the indulgence of the flesh. And what we have seen is, we've seen two things. We've seen the, 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 the Lord Church preaching our works and what we must do in gratitude towards God because He gave His Son, which is such a terrible message. Because now we see, a message. God gave His Son. He died for your sins. You were supposed to die. Now in gratitude towards God. Love Him. Love your neighbor. Do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. That's not the gospel. That is not the gospel. That keeps you in a place where whatever God has done for you means absolutely nothing and you don't experience what it means to be adopted unto good fruit by His doing. 
And you, are, you will see people living in love. You'll see people uh, building big buildings. You'll see people reaching out, evangelizing, doing all those kind of things. Uh, yet it will be still the very same thing. It will be an Ishmael. It will be something that looks like the real son because I'm sure Abra uh, Ishmael looked like Abraham because he was his son. So you'll find things that look like the real thing, but the father of it is still what I do. And we have still not tasted a life wherein we are justified by the Almighty God with a holy life. Instead of, you know, we've been thinking a holy life justifies us. No, no, no. God justifies us by giving us that life. Amen. So now we see clearly... Um, in the scripture here, that no flesh shall be justified, no flesh shall be made free from that which destroys us and from death by the works of the law. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, it is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. But that no, okay, let me just explain that. What he's saying here is, he says, if I seek to be justified by Christ, but I find sin in my life. Is it Christ that brings forth the sin? Do you see, what, what I'm trying to say here is, look at how Paul uses the word justification. He says, listen to this carefully, if I seek to be justified by Christ. So we see here justification isn't a legal term in the sense of standing just innocent before God. The Christian seeks to be justified by Christ. He says, if therefore we find sin manifesting in our life, is Christ the one that ministers the sin or manifests the sin in our life? He says, no. Because this is his definition of justification. He says, justification is when God manifests something in you. That's his definition of justification. That's what he understands as justification. He says, no, if we see those things, it's because we are still living under the law. It is the law ministering its death to us. So what do we do? We are, when we see that, all we say is, well God, thank you that you persuade my heart, you show me your goodness, you show me your mercy, unto the manifestation of your life, unto the justification of life. Listen to this. But no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. Now let me explain that. <laughs> he says, no man can before God have the life of God by his own works. It is impossible. For the scripture says, the just shall have life by believing God that God will give him that life as a free gift. That's it. That's it. As simple as that. Now, what is that, what is that, how do we practically apply that to everyday life? The way, I see, the way I see it, you know, is if I, I'm planning my trip to go to Europe. Now, if you, so we do, we, we get our visa, Elena must get her visa, and there's just the normal stresses that's with, with those things. If you want to go to England, my goodness, I had a hand in a pack of pages like that. So, you arrange all of those things. But, like I said, I think two weeks ago here, if you don't get the visa, what, do you, what, what then? You can easily stress about it, but when I go in there, I go in with the expectation saying, 
I'm going to see the justification God promised me here. And even if I don't see the fruit there, what I expect is the peace in the presence of all those things. Like Paul said in Romans 8, if we read Romans 8 on, he says there, we are naked, poor, and all those things, but yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors in Christ, for if God is for me, what this means is, God has promised that He's for me. Even if I'm poor, even if I'm naked, even if I die in this gospel, my God is so for me that He will even raise me from the dead. This is, the, this is faith. This is the persuasion that God has, has brought. Now, if we can imagine, now just think of this, and this is where I'm just sharing from my personal relationship with God. And this is how I think if I'm in the day, just what, going, what goes on in my mind. No weet jy wat in my kop aangaan, ek gaan nou sê, my vriend. I'm thinking, if God could take not just somebody that's dead for 10,000 years and raise him, that I believe God can do. But if he could take Jesus, which to me was more dead than just what one man could be dead, because he took the death of humanity. He was really dead by 20 billion, if you want to, how many people also. And he took the sin of all people, put it on one man, and then this, the Spirit of God, the very same Spirit that is against whatever kills me, raised him from that death. And that spirit has now been given to me, actively combating anything that destroys me, giving me the fruit of the spirit. My goodness, man. What that brings to your life is such a hope, such an expectation, where God is the one that brings it forth. And, and Bertie, do you see every area of your life now perfected? No. I don't, but I live in the hope of the gospel, and I live by the faith of Jesus Christ, and what Paul said, he says, I pray that you may understand how high, how wide, how deep, and how long this love of God is. Why? So that we, through understanding the dimensions of this love, as we, even in this church, we are growing in our understanding of what God has done for us. What do we see? We see we are being filled with the fullness of God. And this is what Paul says. He says, I want to preach to you. He's given the, he says, he's given the gifts of the Spirit, or the, what we would call the fivefold ministry or whatever. He's given those gifts for the perfecting of the saints. He says, I want to preach to you till Christ is formed in you. So what that means is, Paul says, you shouldn't try and form Christ in you. There's something you need to hear, something that will persuade your heart, a belief, and then by this word, God will form Christ in you. And now, as we start to believe this, and we see the justification of God, we find an excitement, a joy, and a peace. And I mean... It is, it is from that platform from where, where the, the apostles 
saw. And that is what we, they saw the signs, wonders, and miracles. That's, that is also called grace. The influence of God on the human heart. The influence of God, which this grace ends in a justification. And this justification is now you have the Spirit in you, whereby we say, Abba, Father, we are sons of God. And then God will prove our sonship. How? By one day in the return of Christ raising us from the dead, as He proved the sonship of Jesus by the resurrection. Justification by the Spirit. But the wonderful thing we have now is we see in this life, what you can expect today is to say, I have been designed, I have been made for, and what God has promised me is the spirit whereby I now live, have life in this life, which brings forth the fruit, that very same spirit shall raise me from the dead. So what Jesus came to do in conclusion, he came to conquer sin in the flesh, to give you eternal life, and he has ruled and judged against it by the resurrection. He condemned sin in the flesh, saying to sin in the flesh, you don't have the power unto death in those that believe me. They shall live, and they shall start to live now, and then the return of Christ will see all life manifest in our physical bodies. Now, and please hear, I'm not against heaven. Thank God for heaven. There are many people in heaven today. Even our Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven. Okay? He is from heaven. But the end goal, when the end goal is just a spiritual heaven, our subconscious mind and our heart doesn't believe unto the receiving of life in the physical. And we will struggle with a powerless life. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. I don't want to make it too complicated, you know. Sometimes things can be a bit complicated to understand, but if we come with a shift from expecting, making the end goal life in a physical body and not heaven, it is a major shift and it can cause some confusion, you know, because it's such a major shift. But if you go and look, I think I, start, I, I printed the, the scriptures on life, talking about having life. And I printed the scriptures on um, this justification. There's like 200 and something scriptures. Just in John, there's 70. 70. And we don't preach it. Let me just read John. Just First John. Didn't plan this, but let me just read First John here. And just hear this. With this in mind, you'll start to hear these things. It says, that which was from the beginning. Remember what we said what was from the beginning? The promise of adoption. What is this adoption? This eternal life. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon. And our hands have handled of the word of life. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness... And show unto you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Here he calls eternal life a manifestation of life in a physical human being which our hands have handled, which we have touched. So what can we, what can we expect today? The first fruit of this. This is what we can expect. Even John chapter 1. Uh, um, just hear this. It's so beautiful. 
I don't want to keep you too long, but he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What is this Word? It's this, this logic of God. It includes this message or this promise. What is the promise? Titus 1 verse 2. That from before the foundation of the world, He promised us eternal life. This Word that was with God, the same was in the beginning with God, all things that were made, um, sorry, all things were made by Him. We can understand, all life comes from this Word. Why? Because it's the Word of life. I promise you life. That's why all things must be by Him, because how will anything have life unless God has given it life? It's the Word of life. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life is the light of men. And what is this light? It is the light of life that will give us what? The revelation that God brings forth the light which we would see as the life of God inside us by His doing. And all we do is like old Abraham, we believe Him. That's why the Bible says, through faith and patience, we inherit the promise. So we believe and we are patient. So we have faith and we have patience, having a full reliance upon the Almighty God that will bring forth His life in us, man. Making this the gospel of Jesus. The Bible also calls the gospel of God. The gospel of peace. Wherein it's not about an angry God that's angry with you because you've done something wrong, but about a loving God that says it's not right that something destroys my people and I will give them life. Amen. amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've come to justify us. You've come to justify mankind. You've come to justify us with peace and joy. You've come to justify us by your righteousness. Thank you that you are a righteous God. Thank you that you justify us with peace and joy today. Thank you that you justify us, that if, if we live in South Africa and we sing, see things go for us, other things might be against us, whatever, we, we don't care. For our expectation is the justification of life and peace inside us by something that is greater than our politics, that's something that's greater than the mishaps of this world by something that's so great that it could raise Jesus, who took the sin of all the world, including mine, onto Him. He died it away, was raised up, and now give me the spirit of the resurrection. And thank You, Father, that we are seeing You justifying us. I thank You, Father, that You justify this congregation to be a congregation that loves people, that just manifests love more and more. Thank you, Father, that you justify us with a kindness and peace and compassion for the poor. Thank you, Father, that you justify us with a love for our neighbor, that you justify us with a generosity that we've, we could never imagine, that you justify us with peace uh, and life. Thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you that we stand blameless before you and we've got to do with a God that justify the people who was oppressed and bring that which is right towards us, which is in line with your will, which was from before time, which is having people adopted unto you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you justify us with a voice in this area, a voice all over the world, that people can hear this gospel where we can see the influence of Christ on people's lives, the lives, the grace of God bringing life to people. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Glory to 